Okay, so we're already moving in as we would, I think, quite naturally into this second treasure, the investigation of the Dharma. So the investigation of the moment, the investigation of process. And I think in its deepest level, this is not a conceptual investigation. It's not about what we think, but I also don't want to dismiss um, the sort of capacity, the, the creativity that our minds can bring to this path, you know, and the way that our minds can be an ally. You know, when, when we teach a day like this, we're asking you to reflect on, on what's being taught. You know, we're ask, asking you to think about it, you know. How does this apply to me? You know, how what do I understand about this? So not entirely dismissing this domain uh, of of thought and reflection and conceptual inquiry. It can be, it, it's about a deep questioning, I think. Why do I think, act or react or perceive the way that I do? You know, what are the roots of my opinions, my views? And the most important question of, you know, why do we struggle? And how would we cease to struggle? Why, what makes us suffer? And what makes us free? You know, these are questions that I think are, are central to this path. You know, we're, we're not expected to leave our minds outside in the hallway with our shoes, you know, um, to engage this capacity that our minds have for, for reflective thinking, for investigative thinking. And then there is the domain of investigative mindfulness which is clearly, you know, experiential, as Chris has just outlined, as we engage with it in the eight-week program. But it's about basically going into territory that is unfamiliar and unknown to us. You know, who would I be if, without my opinions and my views and my sense of knowing? Like Wittgenstein once said, wrote, you know, that words, uh, words deliver us an image and the image holds us captive. You know, that's, that's our sense of I know and, and creating this territory of familiarity in which change often seems an impossibility. So we engage in this experiential investigation and we begin to understand what is worthy to be cultivated and what should not be cultivated. We investigate the moments experientially of, you know, when the veiling factors are present, you know, what does ill will feel like? How do I know this? How does anxiety register in the body? How is it shaping my world? And then we also look at those moments when ill will is absent because that's not a void. It's not a vacuum, you know, but we have thousands of moments of non-clinging in a single day. You know, do we actually really befriend and explore that territory? You know, we have moments of unhesitating generosity and kindness and compassion. Do we actually settle into that, explore it, know how this is sensed in the body? Or are we already looking forward to the next moment when we expect the anxiety to return? There is something about really befriending and familiarizing ourselves experientially 
in those absence moments that has something very profound to do with rebalancing negative attentional bias. It has something very profoundly to do with a cultivating appreciation and, <clears throat> and joyfulness. So this, you know, what, it, what is offered to us in, in this teaching of the seven treasures is a kind of roadmap. But then in that roadmap, there's a very felt sense of investigation in every turn of the road. How do I know this? I mean, on a, on a very deep level, experiential investigation is aligning our lives with the unarguables. You know, it, it's about truly appreciating. Yes, intellectually, we know everything changes. You know, do we live in the light of that understanding? You know, do we sense the subtleties of, of process moment to moment about how nothing in this life stands still and about how holding and clinging is really that what ha what we what happens within the mind that keeps something standing still you know if you want aversion or anxiety to hang around just contract around it so there's something profound about understanding this this nature of change that is threaded through everything that we experience taste touch feel and it's not it's not emotionally neutral you know, sometimes change, of course, means loss. It means grief. You know, it's not emotionally neutral. Sometimes change has an effect, affective element of great sadness. You know, sometimes change has an affective element of delight. You know, I'm so happy when the fridge stops humming, you know, or the difficult neighbor moves away, you know. But it's not about it. And it's appreciating those affective Im impacts but also knowing that change impairment's not good or bad, right or wrong. It just is. And investigative awareness is really about understanding the nature of what the, the Buddha calls dukkha, you know, this, this vulnerability that is a personal and collective story. You know, there is the pain of pain. There is aging, sickness and death. And we know this. And we know we're not exempt and we're not arguing with it any longer. We're not arguing with it any longer. It, it, it's about understanding that the vulnerability that comes with change and the, the instability of conditions. And we're not arguing with it anymore. We're not making these frantic endeavors to... To, to put up our walls of defense so that we try to become invulnerable. We, are, we know this, we don't have an exemption. This comes through investigative awareness. It's a deep understanding. And we know that our ideas of self are very questionable. That self is also a process, you know, a process of selfie built upon identification built upon holding on to a mood or an impulse or an experience. It doesn't mean that there's no self, you know, we will always have a, it's great to have a, a healthy navigational sense of self in this life, you know, or identity in this life, but it can be free from clinging. Investigative awareness is really stepping into territory that is unfamiliar somewhat, 
unknown press, and this takes courage. Chris, you have something to add to this? Well, this, this path invites us to be deeply curious, deeply curious about our experience, the experience of being human, and, and indeed to cultivate an attitude of curiosity. This is what this investigative factor points to. Some of you will know dear Martine Batchelor, who trained as a Korean Zen nun for many years. And her main practice uh, in that tradition was to ask the question, what is this? What is this? For all experiences that arise, what is this? And Martine describes beautifully how the intention of that practice is to naturalize, to normalize an attitude of present moment curiosity so that it becomes our, our way of meeting the moment's experience. Why? Well, can't we feel how being curious brings a certain unsticking of our experience. It's, it's hard to be completely stuck in a mood or mind state that I'm also curious about. I'm also asking, oh, what is this? How does this work? And indeed, there's a, a, a Buddhist text. Some of you may have heard of a text called The Questions of King Melindi where this uh, king who lived after the Buddha's time asked the wise monk uh, about the awakening factors and asked the question, well, what factor liberates? And the wise monk Nagasena said, it's the investigative factor that liberates, but it needs all the other factors to support it. And we can feel the, 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 the embodied truth of that can't we, in, in moments of being curious, in moments of opening a sense of possibility, there's a certain agency in that, isn't there? There's an agency in being curious, in being interested, in asking what's happening. We're not just a kind of passive victim in those moments, a passive victim of our moods or our patterns. There's a sense of engaging. And it's an engagement that needs to be guided by the teachings of liberation. So I'm gonna put in the chat, the Pali for this term, which is Dhamma Vichaya. Um, Dhamma here, could be what vichaya means to investigate. It also means to discern that word that Christina used earlier. Dhamma can have two meanings here. One is the word phenomena or experience. So in this moment, I'm curious about what's happening in the body or I'm curious about what mood or mind state is present or what thinking patterns or beliefs are here. But it also, this word, as many of you will be aware, points, particularly when it is given in English versions a capital D, 
to the teachings, the, the Buddha's teachings of liberation. And so we, we get a sense of a more nuanced curiosity or investigation that this uh, aspect of the, this treasure of the seven treasures uh, points towards, which is an investigating of our experience in the, lighting of, in the light of the teachings of liberation. And so it's not, for instance, the kind of investigation that faced with a difficult mood goes, oh, why am I feeling like this? When did I first start feeling like this? What does this mean about me? You know, we can end up turning investigation into a kind of rumination. This is much more a present moment, curiosity, wakefulness that we bring into the embodied experience of, of, of now. And that sense that it's an investigation that is also guided by looking for that which liberates. So as Christina was, was mentioning, the quality of impermanence, the, 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 the very fabric of our experience being impermanent, changing, uh, perhaps fabric's the wrong metaphor there, it's more like texture of experience because it's, it's changing every moment. And so to this quality is sometimes spoken about as like spectacles. I'm wearing Dharma spectacles in the moment of inquiry. And of course, this also is very much uh, part of how the inquiry process in eight-week courses works. We don't just kind of have a chat with people about their experience. We're, in, we're, we're letting our understanding as teachers or as practitioners of what's helpful, what's helpful in reviewing the body scans of the last week or viewing the pleasant and unpleasant events calendars of the last week or the experience of mindful movement. And it's that, in a sense, that points to the importance of our lifetimes training as mindfulness teachers. That sense that investigation, curiosity, uh, a deepening understanding is a lifetime's journey for all of us. And that actually that's what enables us as mindfulness teachers, as well as mindfulness practitioners, to bring a kind of dharmic intelligence, to bring a, a, a deep understanding of what gives rise to suffering and what gives rise to the alleviating or the ending of suffering. Uh, and it's this that, that needs to guide our, our uh, you know, inquiry, whether that's our own internal inquiry or the inquiry that we engage in, in you know, eight-week courses. Um, I often find it's really helpful as a mindfulness teacher to be looking out for the hot spots of reactivity in what people say. Because the, the Buddha's teachings, just like contemporary mindfulness-based teachings point to, it's, it's in the places of reactivity that our curiosity is best applied, is most usefully applied. Because there we have a very uh, vivid often sense of, of what gives, what is intensifying dukkha, distress, and what is alleviating. So this 
Dhamma Vichaya, I think it's one of the words here that's quite helpful to remember the Pali a bit, because it points to these, this sense of what kind of investigation, what kind of curiosity is being pointed to. It's an informed curiosity that, that comes from deeply knowing uh, in our own experience what it is that gives rise to suffering and gives rise to the ending of suffering. 